Hello friends and welcome back to the What Now podcast. Today I have a very special guest. The way that this interview came about is honestly the way that I would like for most interviews to come about. Organically, a friend of a friend decided to come on the podcast. We talked about it and now I'm here interviewing her. I'm very happy. This is what the podcast is all about. Her name is Katie. I don't know how to say her last name, so I don't want to fuck it up. So I'm going to allow her to say her own last name. Hello, everybody. Uh, my last name is Brynjolfsson, so it's Katie Brynjolfsson. There you go. I didn't want to mess it up. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> no worries. So your last name, you say that your father is Icelandic? Yes, half Icelandic, half British. Have you been to either one of those places? I have, yes. What was the experience like? Iceland is probably one of my favorite places in the whole world. It is really beautiful. There is a lot of nature, a lot of scenery. People are just really, really nice there. The only thing that comes to my mind when I think about Iceland is how I saw an ad. I don't know where I saw the ad, but it said essentially they have too many women. So they were paying people to come and marry their women. <laughs> so I was like, sign me up. I'm still in Canada. Yeah, no, I went for a family reunion there and we just went on a big tour. Wasn't a lot of my parents' sight, so there was no talking to any men of any type. While no. We were on that trip. <laughs> no. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Obviously, been to England as well. Yes. Is there a specific place in England that your family's from? We went on a bus tour. Okay. So it was just kind of a, oh, let's all go to England and go tour around and then go throughout Europe. So it was really fun. My dad likes to travel, so it was a good time. How would you compare Iceland to England? Iceland, I would go back. England, I'm good. <laughs> no, thank you, England. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. not coming back. I mean, you guys kicked out Meghan Markle, so, I mean... Is that the reason why you don't want to go back? No, there's so many reasons, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll keep it for the next one. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so you were born and raised in Victoria. I was born in Florida, actually. Oh, yes. Florida. I did not know this. Obviously, I did didn't do research. Oh. <laughs> I'm adopted, so okay. that's a, a whole family history there. Okay. That, again, probably another podcast. <laughs> well, we'll have time for another podcast, most certainly. I was born in Florida, okay. there for three weeks. My parents adopted me right away, so I was only there for three weeks and came right back to Canada. Did, did you live anywhere else in Canada? No, only Victoria so far. My goodness. I've only recently been to Victoria, and I would say I would live in Victoria, but only for two months. Very good plan. Very good plan. Two months, I feel like I would get everything out of my system just because of the pace of life. I enjoy that very much. The way that I would personally describe Victoria, maybe you can describe it in your own opinion afterwards. I would say it is a mixture between boomer culture <laughs> and millennials that were trying to have babies and boomers who were trying to retire. That is very, very accurate. It's a very government-heavy town, I find. So a lot of people either work for the government, it's either provincial or federal, including military, or they work in some type of private industry jobs. So there's a lot of tech jobs now. Oh, wow. I did um, not know that. I didn't know that really either until I met some friends who have partners who work in the tech field, and it turns out it's a bigger industry than I thought. I'm trying to come up then. Apparently, but I think a lot of people also work remote too. So the jobs aren't actually in Victoria. There's right. like a handful in Victoria. Everything right. else is remote. That makes sense. Growing up in Victoria, tell me what it was like. Obviously, Victoria is predominantly Caucasian. Yes. And you're a black woman. What was your experience like growing up in Victoria? I would say overall, it was really good. And then I started seeing some of the not-so-great things as I got older. I was very lucky to have parents that were very protective over myself and my sister, which was fantastic. But as you get older, you start to see some of the differences. And unfortunately, it kind of becomes a case where there's them and you. And as you get older, it becomes more and more obvious, unfortunately. Could you dive into that a little bit more mm -hmm. when you mention them and then you? So I don't know if it's because of the change of culture as we've shifted exponentially with the internet and social media. Growing up, I tr always tried to fit in. So if it was trying to have my hair a certain way, dress a certain way, and not realizing that I would never fit into that standard. Right. And as I got older, so I started going through high school, being exposed to more black people, to be quite blunt with it, I started realizing that there is a big difference. Not how I was raised necessarily, but how I would look and appear and be expected to behave versus my white friends. Could you tell me some of those differences that you noticed as you were growing up? One of the main ones is being policed for your body. When you're younger, you start developing curves a little earlier than some of your friends. You start developing the hips and the breasts 
and all of a sudden your parents are like, hey, um, you need to dress a little bit more covered, you need to be mindful of these things, your undergarments start changing, so you start introducing wearing bras. You're young, so you don't understand why your parents are all of a sudden now being a little bit more protective of you when you go out, and not in a shaming, oh, you need to cover your body way, but because they can see how there are certain other adults who can't act right, and you start seeing how they're looking at you. Another big example is hair, which is quite the topic. It's a bit of a heavy topic. But realizing that, hey, my friends would all come to school with their hair straightened. That wasn't my case. I had to come to school with, like, new braids and then having to navigate that and dealing with that. Myself, talking about your own personal experience, myself as well. Like, I grew up in a town that was predominantly Caucasian as well. Mm -hmm. And before that, when we initially moved to Toronto, I came straight from Ivory Coast. Mm -hmm. That part of it was already a massive culture shock. Just a way of life. Being in Ivory Coast... It's more community-oriented. The whole family is together, kind of raising the kids and all these kind of things. And then when we moved here, it was just me and my family, my immediate family. And that was quite a bit of a shock to me because I was so used to being around all my cousins, and then all of a sudden, it's just us. And then my dad had to teach us about being home by certain hours. I'm too young to understand any of these things. But initially, we went to a black school, which allowed me to fit in fairly easily because there were all Africans, black people in that school. So I felt comfortable. But then... In grade nine, we moved to a town a little bit north called Aurora, and that shit changed everything. We were the only black family in the whole block, and I remember this so vividly. One of the first times that we were walking on one of the main roads, it was me, my two brothers, and my sister. And literally, cars were stopping to look at us, as if we were an exhibit that they had never seen before. And I'm standing there in my mind like, what the fuck is going on? Obviously, now, looking back, I can understand it better, but at the time, I'm like, oh, like, these people... I guess it's just traffic now, all yeah. of a sudden. Noticing those differences between yourself and your friends at a very young age forces you to grow up at a much more rapid pace. So you're just overthinking things all the time. How do I fit in? It's so interesting that you mentioned that that was your experience. I'm almost wondering if it's almost a universal black experience in Canada to a degree because I've had that exact same situation or maybe a little bit different where it's all of a sudden I notice I'm being watched by people. Oh yeah. People are looking at me. I walk in a room. This is not even to say I'm cocky. You walk into a room and people immediately look at you. Right. Um, it's caused issues. When I was in high school, I had a friend that told me point blank, oh, don't upstage me on my birthday, which... That can mean a whole variety of things. Does it mean don't get my hair done? Because every time I get my hair done, whole class stops and has to look at it. Does it mean I'm walking down the hallway and I get a bunch of compliments just because I changed my hair? What does that actually mean? Does it mean when I go out to events with my parents, all of a sudden people are wanting to talk to my parents about my hair. People are talking to me about what I look like. Those stares can be very uncomfortable, especially as a young woman who doesn't know how to handle that attention. You have older men who think that you are older than you actually are looking at you, which is... Very, very not okay, and it says a lot about them. doesn't say anything about you. Mm-hmm. I also want to make that very clear to any young woman who may be listening to this. It's not you. It's not your fault at all that these men are, like, leering at you and looking at you. It's they need to act right. Just because somebody's behaving a certain way and making people feel uncomfortable, if you're the one making somebody feel uncomfortable, the onus is on you. 100%. Because I am showing up as who I am, and you decided to have a certain image about who I am as a person mm-hmm. and view me in a, in a certain type of way. I'm not going to change who I am and how I am dressed and how I've decided to do my hair or whatever the case might be to then make you feel comfortable mm-hmm. within a space. So, no, I am also allowed to exist within this space and be who I want to be. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a big first question to ask. <laughs> but I'm just going to go for it anyways. Your first big recollection of racism, your first memory. I have been very lucky where I feel that I maybe have blocked a lot of it out, to be honest. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has been very, um, what i describe as microaggressions, mm-hmm. where people make comments about your hair being frizzy and making right. a lot of comments about your hair. Right. That seems to be a lot of people's favorite subject. Or in high school, people thinking it's fun to call you Black Catherine, which at the time, you think that's okay, so you laugh along with everybody. Yeah. But as an adult, I'm like, how the hell was I okay with that? Right. Or kids calling you like Shaniqua and thinking that that's fun. I know from talking to my parents that there's been a lot more earlier on stories about people being racist towards me and my parents having to deal with it. That's something I'm not going to discuss because I don't want to call people out. Fair, but fair, fair. as I've grown up, there's been stories about that with some people saying certain things and I've dealt with people saying things to me even recently in the past few months. Do you want to elaborate what's been happening these past couple months? Okay, so I have a story time. So I was working in a government office downtown Victoria and I was on my break and I would go for a walk. 
So I had my AirPods in and I got into an elevator and I wasn't paying attention. I was on my phone. I don't know what I was doing. And I had someone like run to the elevator, but I didn't see them. So I didn't hold the door for them. And this person said, hold the door monkey to me. What? Yeah. It took me a second. And I was like, did that just happen? I was so shocked, but I was like, uh, okay. Like what? And I was wearing my work tag and working in a federal office. You don't want to do that to a federal officer. (laughs) Not to make me sound more important than I actually am, but it was so wild to me and I remember I like walked into my office and I told my co-workers and they were just so shocked that it happened and I was pretty shocked because usually it's just people trying to grab my hair don't do that but that was one of the first times recently that I had someone be aggressively racist towards me holy why do people think why do people think it's okay for you to be rude and racist towards that person who you want to do something for you how do you think i'm gonna respond to you being a dickhead it's insane to me i share that story on my instagram with my followers and my friends and it's so interesting because i had a lot of responses people being very very angry and being like oh you should have told them off but the unfortunate thing about being in a black body is if you get aggressive you get read as aggressive so i often get read as like the angry black woman or i'm angry about stuff and i'm sure you can share stories about being a black man obviously me personally like i have a loud voice Jermaine, why are you so loud? You're talking to me in a way that I don't appreciate. I'm sorry, but this is just my voice as a person. And I'm not going to change my voice to make you feel more comfortable. Yeah. And people constantly just keep saying those things. And at a certain point, the thought goes through your mind where you're sitting there. What can I do to make you feel more comfortable? What is it about me as a person that you don't like? Obviously, you don't know how to express it. There's a block there. If we need to have a conversation, let's go ahead and have that conversation. 100%. 100%. Right? But if you're not capable of having that conversation, don't just say that I'm being aggressive because you're dismissing so many things about my person. It's interesting to you. Like, I know I've been in the workplace before and there's been a working with a white man who would say point blank aggressive things to people, behave very aggressively, and nobody said anything. And then I'm a naturally pretty assertive person, especially at work. I'll be like, hey, we need to get this done very to the point. And I got called into a meeting with my manager about how I was not being nice enough and I was being aggressive. See, that's interesting because a white man can do those things within the same tone, but he's considered assertive and getting the job done. But you as a black woman and as a woman, you do the same things and it's viewed in a completely different lens. And these kind of double standards are so absurd. Why can't I be a woman and be assertive? I don't know if you've seen the TikToks recently about like the divine feminine energy. Mm. Certain men with podcasts, not you, um, (laughs) certain men are like, oh, um, a high value man needs a submissive woman who's quiet. All this list about like what women should be. It's almost like it's making women who maybe like don't have a critical thing here, maybe who are younger, not blaming them at all, but it's kind of saying a view of how you should act if you want to date, which that's not true at all. No. I grew up in a household full of women. I have tremendous respect for women and women have done so many different things to elevate my life. So there's no thought process in my brain that would ever say a woman should behave like this. You should do this. You should do that. So going back to the story, talking about the TikTok, about men having podcasts that is geared towards being aggressive towards women, which is fucking stupid. Fresh and fit, we're looking at you. (laughs) Uh, so I'm on a date, and the girl asked me what are the hobbies that I have. Before I even told her about what the podcast is going to be about, at first I was, is it going to be about being mean to women? And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, why is that your first question? Why do men think that it's okay for you to, especially when you have a base, for you to project these kind of negative thoughts into the world and make women think lesser of themselves, right? It's, it's so absurd to me. I think it goes to almost like, beauty standards and standards for women almost Mm -hmm. where it's like unfortunately what we see a lot of the time is I think it's we're moving away from it but a lot of things geared towards the male gaze and how women should look and act and almost all of this toxic femininity nonsense that we have going on men with podcasts are seeing this realizing they can make a lot of money off of talking about how women should act and nagging women and turning everybody against each other and having it become a situation where they're exploiting vulnerability almost whether it's like emotional, physical. Unfortunately, in our society, those kind of things just sell. Oh, like hotcakes. And it's unfortunate that's the kind of society in which we live in, where vulnerability is being used to make money. Or people's pain, or people's sadness is being used in a way that is monetary values attached to that. Yeah. It almost takes away from somebody actually being vulnerable on their internet and people no longer seeing that as authentic. Oh, well, you're just trying to do this because you want attention. It's like, no, yeah. I'm going through something. And this is the way that I chose to voice it 
So if other people are going through the same thing, they can see that you can go about it this way and this is going to be okay and people are going to be supported. But when people attach negativity with it, you no longer want to express yourself no more. And it gets into people's heads and like I'm sure that the struggles that men face when it comes to media messaging is very different than what women face. Um, I'm curious about this. There's the same thing. So we could both be listening to a podcast. We both hear the same thing, mm-hmm. but we both take different messages from it and it can start to affect us and like worm its way into our mm-hmm. heads and manifest differently. Right. It's crazy this world that we're living in. People just need more positivity. Yes, 100%. And people need to chill out. You mentioned earlier about beauty standards for yeah. women. What are some of those beauty standards that you think that exist in this Western society that we live in? There's so many different ones, and I think that's a very region-by-region thing and what people Mm -hmm. value. So, for example, like, Alberta will have a different beauty standard than the West Coast. Right. And I think that a lot of the time, proximity to whiteness is very praised. Proximity to whiteness is something that I think encapsulates a lot. So it's how your body looks, how your face looks, how you do your hair. A lot of the trends, I think, are very evident of this. And luckily, I think it's really good to see a lot of women are moving away from that. Right. And I don't want to just say women as well as like femme-presenting people. We're starting to move away from that, but it's still heavily prevalent, especially when we see on social media what sells, influencer culture, a lot of that. How do you then go about changing this idea of beauty standards within a world where social media is so prevalent? I'll use myself for an example. Going through university and even late high school, a lot of the time I feel very pressured to conform to what my white friends were doing. Mm -hmm. I'm mentioning race because this plays a part later in all of this. I'd be very conformed to like dress the way they dress, want to fit the style, do everything that they were going to do. And then as I've gotten older, I'm almost 25 now, I started seeing that, hey, I'm following all the influencers and all the style people that my friends are following. It's not working. I'm not getting there. I'm not feeling good. So I started to actually add people who looked more like me mm-hmm. on my social media. Follow things that are more reflective of what I want and what makes me happy versus what I feel like I should be doing. So it's listening more to that inner voice about what you want. Curating your feed, which I know people talk about a lot, but I think it's highly important. And then doing things that make you feel confident with people that make you feel confident. So so for example, am I allowed to plug stuff on here? You can plug whatever you like. Okay, so um, I am a brand ambassador for Moss Photography, which is a boudoir studio in Victoria, BC. Molly's great. We love her. She's iconic. And I shot with her in January for the first time. And I found that that was a really empowering experience in interacting with her and her community because a lot of it is based on like, what do you client want? She shoots very dark and moody, very female gaze, very art style, very Renaissance art. Okay. And anybody can go. Like, literally anybody and their cat can go. I don't know if she wants to Is that what you did? You went with your cat? No, I mean, Orion would probably freak out. So, no, I went by myself. But it was a really empowering experience because you get to shoot in a way that is not beautiful photography. Because I know that a lot of the time sex sells. So, you'll see a lot of people in lingerie on Instagram or in little bikinis. But you're able to shoot in a way that is honoring what you want, your gaze, the female gaze. You get to pick all your photos. And I found that to be really, really empowering. I also forgot the question. That's okay. We're having a great conversation. So, questions don't even matter at this point. I'm trying to think of, within my friend group, how my friends perceive women and how much respect my friend have for women. Me and my friends off the time, like, we'll have dinners, and we are very vulnerable with each other. So we're able to communicate in a way that is very honest, open, and most importantly, without judgment. But I say all this to say this. I think it's important for men to be able to talk to their friends about if they see something that their friends are doing wrong, that they don't agree with, I think it's important to be able to voice your opinion. Regardless if it's your friend, whoever it is, it's important to voice your opinion and let it be known that I don't support that. Because if we don't do that as men, we don't defend women, women are literally superheroes. One of my friends just gave birth and that whole experience is like the craziest. So I love you ladies. I'm full support of ladies and independence is one of the greatest things that anybody can achieve. If you have that independence and you feel good about yourself, you feel strong about yourself and you love yourself, there's nothing more important. In this day and age, I don't know how people would go about achieving self-love, but one of the biggest things that I found for myself was through traveling. Traveling, especially when you're traveling alone, it forces you to put yourself in situations where you're uncomfortable or you have to respond. Mm-hmm. And also, living alone is also another big one yeah. that I've realized. If you're living alone and you're coming home, you're by yourself, you're alone with your thoughts. And that can either lead you into a space where if you're not mentally strong enough, it can lead you into dark spaces. But if you take time to actually analyze your thoughts as they're happening and think about what is happening in your mind, then that can also lead you to, I guess, people call it enlightenment. Yes. 
you realize more and more what you're about as a person. You, the individual, is the most important thing. We want a little bit of a tangent. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's important to voice that and let people know that love for yourself is the most important thing. 100%. Can we backtrack a little? I have a question for you. Yes. So talking about podcasts and like men and women interacting, I have a question. Do you know what the male power fantasy is? I do not. Okay, so I'm going to give the best spark notes to the best of my understanding. Everyone's seen Marvel movies, right? Yes. So you know how in the Marvel movies you have Chris Evans popping out a little machine looking all buff, eats his protein and does his bench pressing? A lot of the time. So yes, it's like us women are like, oh my god, Chris Evans, he's so hot. Guys who play superheroes get super, super jacked. Right. We all end up liking the villains more. With the case of the Thor movies, a lot of us ladies went straight to Loki. Nobody look at my fanfic face. That's none of your business. But everyone ended up really, really liking Loki. Part of the reason why people ended up delved into this is the male power fantasy. So the idea of being like big, strong, very masculine, having like a big old buff body and everything. Right. That would be considered like a male beauty standard. Right. For some people, I know I dealt with a man who that was his goal. He'd watch a superhero movie and it'd just be like off the freaking rails because he didn't look like that. How do you cope? with that how do you deal Personally, I go through phases where I'm very comfortable with my body, and then I go through moments where I look at myself in the mirror, like, bro, like you can, you know, yeah, you can do a little <laughs> yeah. some, some. But I deal with it in a way that I'm just like, this is my body, and this is how I am. This mm -hmm. is how, in this point in my life, this is how I choose my body to look like, and I enjoy it the way that I am. But it's also difficult because, for example, I have friends who are very much into like working out, mm -hmm. staying fit. And then you go out with them. Like say you go to the beach. Then you're looking at yourself. Damn, mm -hmm. I should have been doing those push-ups and those sit-ups. I would have been ready for summer. But that's a battle, to be honest. Yeah. It's a battle. It's difficult because if all you see on the internet is those type of bodies and you want to represent yourself as such because you think that's how you should look like. Mm -hmm. So it's a hard thing. I don't know if I answered the question fully. No, I think I gave a really good answer. Um, I was going to also relate it back to the whole idea of a TikTok and like building on that male power fantasy with the whole high value man and shenanigans. Literally is one of my biggest pet peeves of someone who's single and like in the dating field and apparently TikTok knows this and wants to attack me by giving me, oh, this is how you should date and this is the type of people you should be dating nonsense. And I'm like, mm, is it though? Part of it and kind of relating to beauty standards with men and women, the idea of having the high value man who has his own beauty standards so he'll have to look a certain way like work out be like that alpha man doing all the stuff have the career the job the car the resources and then having with women the looks so having your body look a certain way having your hair be a certain way having your nails be a certain way which all costs a heck of a lot of money with someone who's high maintenance that is adds up and it sucks <laughs> i will do it to the day i die though um <laughs> gotta look good for everybody. of course yes gotta do it for the instagram followers <laughs> but that whole idea of like how like women being very appearance focused and the idea that a woman's value is based on her looks is something really interesting. I find it almost relates to the male power fantasy. So the way that I see this, okay. your looks can only take you so far. Right. So for any woman or any man, if you're an attractive person, it can only take you so far and by a certain age, sorry baby, but there's going to be somebody else who's going to be yeah. younger, more attractive. So then how do you differentiate yourself? If all you've done your whole life is to get by with your looks, and then when your looks fade, then what's going to happen? I fully agree with you. I'm going to push back a little bit and say okay. that being attractive, this day and age, it can pay your bills. It can open doors for you. It can do a whole lot. So unfortunately, where it's like, yes, looks fade 100%. It's who you are on the inside because you can have the most attractive people in the world being absolute pieces of shit. And it's like, yeah, they might get all the attention for their looks, but they're just like Shitty the people. worst people. I feel like, unfortunately, because there's that monetization of, how you look with Instagram, for example. There's a monetization of how you look directly can correlate to how much money you can make off right. of your looks. Right. I think that there's definitely, like, there's some type of setting the beauty standard, especially when how influencers are doing, what trends are doing. It really directly affects women, specifically I'm a woman, I'm speaking from my point of view. Mm. It, it really affects how we interact and how we go through daily life. For example, the whole clean girl aesthetic. What is a clean girl aesthetic? I don't really know how to describe it, but it's very much like... Friends. Is it like the, the girl next door kind of look? No, it's like very Aritzia, black and white neutrals. Like you're getting up early to have your green juice. Like you're working on doing Pilates. I have a one friend and she's literally one of the most beautiful people I know. And she naturally can just do the clean girl stuff. It's for her. 
she just nails it out of the park and if she listens to this she's gonna know exactly what I'm talking about like it just works for her and like she could honestly be an influencer if she really wanted to yeah but it doesn't work for everybody but yet that seems to be a, a beauty standard which I'm not sure if it's put on by men or is whatever women imposing it on ourselves or what it is because it's very much like look black hair gold jewelry and it's interesting because I don't think it's actually an inclusive beauty standard I mean a lot of things that become standards within whichever society is never inclusive. That's true. Again, it goes back to the whole proximity to whiteness. Yeah, like. exactly. It's a standard for a reason. Mm -hmm. They try to make everybody the same, but some people are going to fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And then the question becomes, if you don't fit in within that standard, then, then what? Mm -hmm. How do I find my place in society? Yeah. So that goes back to that, was it called? Slim girl? Clean girl aesthetic. Clean girl aesthetic. Clean right? <laughs> so not everybody's going to fit within that mold. Yes, Online, it's going to become the standard and people are going to try to live by that because they believe that's how everybody looks and everybody should look. But at a certain point, you have to find your own thing. It's two things. I think we should make a distinction between online and in real life. Okay. So we talked about online right now. Online is very much your finances, which with inflation, with this day and age, and also after the pandemic and how people make their money, it is very valid to talk about. I think that monetization of how specifically women look, men too. Like, so I don't really know what men do online. See, honestly, what do, you, what do you guys do? When you talk about social media, yeah. like I don't follow any of these things. Okay. So like I'm not like aware of social yeah. media, like any trends on social media, mm -hmm. TikTok, nothing like that. Because for a long time, I wasn't on social media. Okay. I didn't have social media for over two years just because my thought was, I'm not using it for anything. I'm not making any money off of this. Mm. There's no reason for me to be on it because the people that I interact with on the day-to-day -day basics, I can just call them. I can shoot them a text if I want to see them. I don't need to be seeing my friends' photos on Instagram. And then also, when you don't see your friends' post on Instagram and you see them in person, it makes for a better conversation because mm -hmm. you generally haven't seen it. So you're going to ask them, how was your vacation? Right. Where did you go? What did you enjoy about your vacation? You know, so those small things. But then obviously... I'm trying to be rich and famous with this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. obviously, I got the socials back. Yeah. But that's the only reason why I got it back. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of those trends that you're talking about, sorry, but I don't know about them. No worries. Let's switch to real life then. So, have we, like, wide it way back and talk about life in Victoria and yes. why Victoria is the worst? No, I love Victoria, but it's, it is something else. Don't know what's up with it. Living in Victoria, I actually had a very interesting conversation with a girl I met at an event a couple months ago. And we were sitting and we were talking, and she's a professional model. And we were having a conversation, and she was talking about how boring Victoria was. And I think there's someone else there. But we were talking about how Victoria is a quote-unquote boring city. Right. And what we mean by that is, like you said, millennials trying to have babies and boomer culture. When I talk about people staring at me, for the record, like I like to have my hair done fun colors usually. Like right now, it's not my natural hair color. It's like a goldy brown blonde situation. And people cannot handle it. It's not the norm. People don't generally have their hair braided like this, and especially a color. And people seem to absolutely lose their minds and go off the deep end, which I feel like in a city like Vancouver, I come to Vancouver, no one gives it a second look. Bigger cities, like nobody really cares. Victoria, there was a point when I first had my hair done where we're commenting on my looks every single time I left the house. For you, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I don't mind it. I like to blame the fact that I'm a Leo and I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Um, <laughs> so people telling me I'm pretty is one of my favorite things. Also, I don't base my value on how I look. It's nice. It only becomes a problem if I'm actually out with a friend or trying to do something and then people come up and are trying to talk to me about how I look. At work, it became a huge issue because I had a client-facing job and people would be commenting about my hair and trying to ask me about my hair and I'm like, I don't have time to have a TED talk about this right now. Google's free. I'm busy. I am in a high demand, high volume service environment. We can't be talking about my hair right now. I need to get you what you need and get you out the door. Mm -hmm. That's my job. So situations like that or when I had gray curly hair for a while and it looked really good. When I was dating my former partner at the time, it was our first few dates and I had just got my hair done and so I saw a gun car. He comments on it which is fine because we're dating and I was like, oh my god, you think I'm pretty? And then we got to our destination and I had multiple people coming up to me talking about my hair which is for me really uncomfortable if I'm trying to just get to know someone and I'm on a date and I'm clearly busy I think it makes the other person uncomfortable and I start acting weird and it just kind of goes downhill from there right I can't imagine being on a date with a girl and people keep coming up to her talking about her hair at that point it would make me feel uncomfortable and it would also make me question why am I here okay I'm glad that you brought that up because I've always wondered from a male point of view how do you guys feel about that I would personally rather not be there okay if we make plans to go on a date that I am there to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. We're there to spend time to get to know each other, one-on-one -on -one conversation. And 
if people are going to keep coming up to you and budging in the conversation that we're having, that moment is no longer ours. Right. We're sharing it with other people. And the intention was never to share with other people. That's exactly how I feel about it. It irks me to no end, especially in the past, like I've dated white men and I think they just get really awkward about it. Or someone tries to touch my hair, they're like, do we stop it? Like, what do we do? Especially if it's the first time you started dating someone, like it got to the point with my former partner where someone tried to touch my hair and he was like, I don't think so. Stop it, knock it off and told them to go away. But when you're first dating someone, it's super duper awkward. Right, because obviously it takes time to get comfortable around somebody, especially when you first start dating. And you don't know what that person's reservations are or if they're going to say something. So you yeah. don't want to say something out of pocket and then have them feel like you don't have to defend me. I right. can defend myself. But which obviously coming from the place that I would imagine it would be coming from like, no, no, like I'm just trying to make sure that we can enjoy our time together. Right. What are some of your pet peeves when you go on dates? Oh my God. Okay, so this is so awkward, but I was in a long-term relationship. So I literally just went on my first date since 2018 on last how Friday. Was, how was it? Oh my god, okay, so he's never gonna listen to this. So it was fine. He was really nice. I was so nervous. I feel like a lot of time with social media, again, girls are like, oh, we're not nervous. Like, it's fine. Guys, my hands were shaking. I was so nervous. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like trying to be cool, but I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna be cool. I'm so <laughs> awkward. And I was trying to figure out like what to say to him. And I was just like, this shouldn't be that hard. I can be like a normal person. It went well, though. It was like four hours. We went to two different breweries. But he lives in Vancouver and he was like, I don't want to do the distance. And I also wasn't really sure, but like a second date would have been fine. And I was like, you know what? Fair enough. If there's any men out there who are single, um, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my personal pet peeve when I go on first dates is if the person is on their phone. I went on a date with a girl a while ago. Met off the dating apps because the dating app is the way you date nowadays. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> she had planned the whole thing. I was supposed to meet her at the first location. She changes the location. I'm like, okay, no problem. Understanding you want to go somewhere closer to your place, whatever. It's fine. So I go to the second location. She shows up probably like 30 minutes to 40 minutes late. And I oh, hate, no. hate, hate waiting on people. I hate this too. If we agree on the time, this is also a shout to my friends who are always late. I dislike it very much. If we agree on a time to be at a place for 6 o'clock, I am there for 6 o'clock. And if you're not there for 6 o'clock, I'm heavily annoyed. I have the same way. I feel this on a spiritual level right you now. You know what I mean? So anyway, she's 30, 40 minutes late. I'm sitting there. She shows up. She's like, oh my God, so sorry for being late. All right, it's cool. Whatever. Let's just enjoy ourselves. We're here now. Mm -hmm. Let's not talk about the past. It's fine. We're sitting there. We order a couple of beers. And the whole time, she's just looking at her phone, scrolling on the phone. And I'm sitting there looking at her. Why are we here? If you don't want to speak to me, if you don't want to spend time talking to me, which is completely fine. Your time is yours. Whatever you want to do with your time, do with it as you please. But don't waste mine. So mm -hmm. I told her, hey, listen, obviously, like, you're not enjoying yourself. I'm not enjoying myself. So I think we should just call it an evening and just end the day right mm -hmm. here. We haven't seen each other since. So obviously, the first day did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of my pet peeves. Hate waiting, and I hate when people are on their phone. Because if I'm going to make an effort mm -hmm. to not be on my phone, you can do that as well. Exactly. It's like, people, put your phone away. If you didn't want to go on the date, just tell them, hey, you know what? I'm not feeling it. Like, I don't want to go out today. Don't show up. Like, don't go on your freaking phone, people. I hate it. Oh, my God. I'm mad now for you because <laughs> no, I'm just, like, getting no, triggered no. about the phone. This is why I appreciate honesty. Yeah. I had a girl tell me, we've been talking for a week or two, and she told me straight up, she said, you give off very friendly vibes, and I'm not looking for friendly vibes right now. Mm. Cool. That's interesting. I was like, okay, I appreciate your honesty. You knew what she was looking for. Right. And she was honest about it. And she told me, I received it. I was like, okay, this is, has nothing to do with me. This is not what you're looking for currently. Yeah. And the conversation obviously is giving up friendship vibes, yeah. which is not something you're looking for, which is fine. So I think a part of dating is being honest with what you're looking for and what stage you're at. 110%. So ladies and gentlemen, be honest. Yes. Be honest, because that just removes so many other issues that you could possibly have with people. 100%. And people are delicate flowers who don't want to be hurt. I think also when it comes to being honest, too, there is being honest, which is really important, and not being hurtful. So with online dating, let's say you go on a date and someone doesn't look the way they looked in their photos. Mm-hmm. Don't be a dick about it. Don't be like, oh, um, you look like you gained a little few more pounds and your dating apps are those oh. old folder photos. No, Brandon, don't do that. 
Damn, she just said your name. No, no, I haven't gone on a date with a brand. And that's just the first name that popped into my head. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, Brandon's are assholes on dates. But yeah, don't do that. No, I just ghosted a Brandon. Sorry, dude, if you hear this. I just wasn't feeling it. You gave me band nerd vibes. And you're a very nice dude. You're going to make someone very happy. It's just not me, babes. Oh, she's out here putting men's business on blast. (laughs) My My toxic traits. (laughs) Red flag. It's because I'm a Leo. Are you a Leo too? No, I'm making fun of you. Oh my god. (laughs) What's your sign? I'm a Libra. Mm, Okay. The most chill people out here. Okay, true Libras. I have a Libra friend. She's great. I love her. There you go. Every single person that has a Libra fan is better for it. I'm going to have to agree with that one. Yeah, we just bring so much happiness, so much joy to people. How can we go wrong? But how do you feel about the dating apps? Obviously, you've been in a long-term relationship, and then now you're recently single. So now you have to navigate the dating world through apps. So I don't like them. Why don't you like about them? Everything. I feel like Victoria is a very white city. So again, like it's not because I'm like I only date white men. It just happened to be who I click with. I feel like a lot of the time, a lot of white men look wild shit to me. Whereas like, have you ever been with like a, a white man before? Or they're like, hey, hot chocolate, hey, African princess. I'm like, babes, um, my ancestry is Caribbean. Like, what are we doing? Or they'll be like. I'm just really attracted to like black girls like there's just something about you and it's just like you know I'm a person right we're aware of this that's an instant ghost right there no we're not doing this I'm not doing this today I really don't like them I think that there's a lot of misconceptions you can make about people through the dating apps mm-hmm. I think you can come to a lot of conclusions about a lot of things I was saying to Megan earlier that I will go on the apps and I'm like ew well, these men are not it what's wrong with them like they're all short and ugly and gross I hate them go in person and I'm like you guys all look normal and great and it's just like there's such a disconnect and I think between men in real life life versus on the apps and honestly like I kind of have the apps just to have them but I think at the end of the day like I'm gonna attempt to meet someone in person it's not going too well though but it's okay though I don't want children so I'm totally fine with dying alone I don't care I have a great cat I'm totally ready to die alone I can buy my own engagement ring I do not need a man for anything I'm fine would it be nice yes it would do I need you absolutely not girl let him know how you feel but talking about mostly dating white women, my friends always say this to me. Jermaine, you're going to end up marrying a white girl. You never date black women. And my thought is, you mentioned earlier, yeah. growing up in a city where it's predominantly white, mm-hmm. if it's not within the proximities, like how do you expect me to meet them? 100%. Like in Vancouver, for example, it is predominantly Caucasian and Asians. Yeah. You rarely even see black people. And when I do see black people, I'm so hyped. I give them the nod, yeah. obviously. Got for it. respect. Obviously, my dating history has been mostly white women. I don't have a type. I just like vibing with people. If we catch a vibe, we catch a vibe. If we connect, we connect. The biggest thing for me when it comes to dating is about communication, honesty, and connection. Right. I think those three things are very important. And then obviously you have your shared values and all these different things that come into play. But in the beginning, it has to be about those three things. Right. Online dating, honestly, it has its benefits. Obviously, you get to meet a lot of people that you wouldn't naturally meet. You get to communicate with a lot of different people and also through that i believe that you get to find what kind of person you would like to date so if you go on a lot of days you're like okay you know what you were cool here but other parts i didn't like so right. we're gonna remove that and then we're gonna add that to the board and whatever so you can potentially find somebody who goes along those lines but then like you said earlier the negativity people being dickheads people not realizing that what they say might be hurtful to other right. people and all these different things yes there's a lot of negativity but there's also a couple of positives in there as well i think also a lack of accountability i know that for me personally just to like be accountable like i've definitely conducted myself in some ways with interactions with people who like probably i wouldn't like to be treated like that mm-hmm. i've done some shady not so great things like ghosting people or leading people on i've definitely done that at the same time i've also had it done to me as well right. where it's like i've had a guy be all like make big talk big game and and then have it not happen and right. like fall through and I got really hurt by that and I think that the problem with online dating is there's that lack of accountability right you could just go with somebody you don't have to speak to them again right. and just like okay over this moving on to the next thing but what people don't understand is that is a person that you communicate with right and there are feelings there that have been hurt so the least you can do is let the person know why you've decided you're no longer communicating with them yeah it takes 0.5 seconds to send a test yes and we're all on the phones all the time. You send somebody a text, but hey, listen, honestly, like I'm in a different stage in my life right now. Or even live, please. Yeah, 100%. Do something. Tell them something. Don't yeah. ghost people. For me, like that's super childish. I think so too. I think there are situations where ghosting people is acceptable. So recently I had a guy who I matched with on a dating app. He didn't live in Canada, which was fine. So because I was like, okay, whatever, we'll just chat. He bought me wings. So one of the first times we talked. 
which sounds really nice, except for the fact he literally didn't tell me he was buying me wings. I literally got home from doing whatever I had to do, got out of the shower. He's like, oh, your wings are going to be ready in eight minutes. I don't live anywhere near downtown, so I literally had to like put clothes on and go all the way downtown to get these wings. The bartender thought it was hilarious, and I was like, thank you, sir. Just give me my goddamn wings. I'm going to leave. <laughs> and then this man, like a couple red flags, he called me. I'm okay with phone calls. I'm like, you just need to tell me that you want to call me, and I can make time for you. He calls me and keeps me on the phone for two hours and 45 minutes. Proceeds to want to talk about his graduate studies and tells me to stop talking because he wanted to just info dump on me. And the reason why I had like interjected in the natural break of the conversation is I have my BA from UVic in cultural anthropology. So he was explaining to something that I actually have a very solid background in. And I know I sound like a dumbass, but I'm actually pretty darn smart. Thank you very much. And he literally told me to stop talking because he just wanted to flex his knowledge. And then he was like very much like love bombing and he tried to invite me to his military ball. That should be a, like a red flag right there. Sorry, military, but like y'all are a bunch of red flags. But he tried to like invite me to his military ball. He was like introducing me to his sister on like the chat and like asking me all these super personal questions. He decided to do this thing, which I literally hated this so much. I hope this never happens to anybody listening because it just makes you want to commit violence. Then we were talking about green flags and relationships. So let's see you tell me all your green flags. And then he was like, okay, now can you paraphrase that and repeat it back to me? And I was like, are you my mom? Because my mom used to do this when I was in school. And he made me repeat back what he had said and summarize it. And I was like, what in the patronizing bullshit is this? It is the audacity for me. And everyone was like, oh my God, he bought you wings. I was like, he is ridiculous. So I decided- Why he bought you wings? I could buy my own wings. I do have money, thank you. But I just like don't understand why he thought that that was okay. Like men don't do that. I understand you want someone to listen to you, but when you're gonna be that condescending and being rude, you can literally leave. Oh, and then, this is the creme de la creme. So, as I've said everybody, I'm adopted. My parents' reasons for adopting are their personal reasons, so I'm not mm -hmm. gonna share that on the podcast. Of course. He had the fucking audacity. He's driving, and he's like on the phone to me. He's just like, so I went to graduate school, you know, I just like know more about critical race theory and economics and social justice than everybody else. He's like, did you know that your parents, because they adopted black children, are white, have the white savior complex? And that like, is nothing that he should be saying to someone who's adopted. Fully disrespects my parents. And I was like, oh, this motherfucker. Fucker. He was just like, oh, I'm sorry. I must have fucked it up. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then he like wasn't apologizing for what he said. And I was like, you're not sorry. I was like, no. Like, and he's trying to like make it better. But I was like, you just said some wild shit. And even insulted my parents. I was like, how stupid do you want to be? You want to fuck someone, right? Oh, I'm just going to go insult your parents. Just like straight from my parents. <laughs> That's like, never going to work out. That is not a green flag, my boy. No, the dating tips from us. Um, don't insult the person you're dating's parents. They can have problems with your parents. Keep your mouth shut. That's not your business parents or <laughs> to be respected by any means yes just stay out of it so i finally got off the call and i was like oh this is never gonna work i ghosted him i followed him on everything unmatched called my mom told her the story and she was like <laughs> oh my god and then i go back on my phone and this man he literally sends this on instagram dms he's like lmao sad ass bitch what and i was like what in the incel why do people think these kind of things are okay? Oh, he was such a red flag. Apparently, he was like single in March after he broke a three-year engagement with this girl. And he was like, oh, I'm trying to get back on the apps. And then he was also saying how he was going to take me to Vancouver for my birthday. And like, we're going to go to like the strip club and he's going to like spend all this money on me and my friends for my birthday. And I was like, you don't know me. What the hell? <laughs> this is like off topic, but like on topic with like dating apps. Don't let people love bomb you because that's love bombing and quite frankly, unhinged behavior. And also... What part of this makes you think that talking about yourself, somebody's going to say to be like, yeah, you're so great. I absolutely want to be with you. Yeah, and it's like people who are highly educated, it's great, like really respected. But at the end of the day, you have an expensive piece of paper. Calm down. Calm it down. Let's just breathe through things. Let's breathe through. The whole process of education is you have this knowledge that you've acquired after being in school for four years, whatever amount of time. The purpose of it is to share with people. Right. And to educate people about the knowledge that you have. Don't be... A fucking asshole with the knowledge that you have. Yeah, and that's why academics get bad reputations for being assholes. It's just don't do that. So you mentioned earlier that you study yes. cultural anthropology. Yes. Can you describe what cultural anthropology is? I'm gonna have to think of a, like a good way to define it. So it's a study of like people and culture. So how culture is created, learned, passed down generation to generation. What defines a culture? How cultures change? And a lot of looking at other cultures without imposing your own bias on things. Do you think that's easy to do? To not put your own bias into other people's cultures? It's easy until it's not. 
explain. Sometimes, for example, like with religion, like I'm not religious, and so sometimes with certain religious practices, I'm like, why would you do that? Like that seems ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Some of the things the Catholics do, for example, I'm not dragging Catholics. Calm down. But some of the things that Catholics do, I'm like, why are you doing this? Like this doesn't make sense. It seems ridiculous. I don't like it. At the end of the day, that's their culture. Like that is their culture in a religion. So I'm not going to judge it because that's me being like, my culture is better than yours. Yeah. When it's like, no, it's not better. It's just different. Right. Kind of bringing it back to what we were talking about earlier, black culture. How I do my hair and how I manage that is going to be different than how my friends do who are from other cultures or who are white. Food's a big one too. I'll go to my friend's house for dinner and she'll make something that's from her culture. And then it's different than what my culture would be. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Ivory Coast, so the way that women are perceived there and the beauty standard in Ivory Coast mm-hmm. is very much different from the yeah. beauty standard here. I grew up in a small town called Bonoir, and there, like, I'm used to women having hair, mm-hmm. like hair on the legs, on the arms, and all these kind of things. Another thing is women breastfeeding their kids. Yeah. That's very normal there. Take your breasts out, feed your kid. Yeah. Your kid needs to eat. You don't need to hide yourself mm-hmm. or behind the shield or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I thought it was the same thing, and then it wasn't, so it was, like, yeah. quite shocking in a way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you're part of a culture, you're trying to assimilate, you're trying to adapt to that culture. But I don't think you should completely change who you are Mm -hmm. to be part of that culture. Yes, cultures are different, but you have to view every single culture that you go into, every single instance that you go into a different moment with an open mind. 100% is the best way to form connections with people and to Mm -hmm. learn as well. Right. And also, if you ask a couple of questions, people are more than willing to educate you on things that are important to them. Right. If you're traveling to... Thailand, for example. Don't just go get wasted for three weeks. Try to submerge yourself in the right. culture. Ask people, oh, like, what do you guys typically have here? Can I try it? Can I have some of it? Because you don't know. You might enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, even going back to beauty standards, cultural standards, my roots are Dominican and Haitian. It took me forever to put all this together. But I figured how, like, I look and how my body looks is, like, very Caribbean. Fit right in. Like, that's what it looks like. Versus living in Victoria, where there's a bit of a different culture. Like, if you want to talk about, like, fitness culture, being more on the slim side, and, like, looking a certain way. That can get really hard for people. And then you have the social media culture of having, like, different enhancements that people do. So, either it's BBLs, lips, facelifts, Mm -hmm. fox eye trends. There's so many different things. And you can look at the body and how we look from a cultural point of view. And I think that that plays a big part. When we talk about beauty standards, it's it's essentially can be boiled down to culture and what's important, how our culture values looks and Mm -hmm. gender roles and how we perform our genders. One that comes to mind is in Ivory Coast, you think how many roles you have on your neck, consider sign of beauty. And then also if you're of um, heavier set, it's a sign of richness. Yeah. In uh, most African countries, it's a sign of richness. Meanwhile, here, it's perceived different. 100%. I can relate to that, too. Like, I'm heavier set. Like, I'm five foot ten. I think I weigh around, like, 260 right now. Haven't weighed myself. I don't believe in weighing myself. It's just, like, I'm not going to do that. And, like, I'm significantly bigger than all my friends, or, like, most of my friends. I'm very confident with how I look. I work out. I go to the gym. Eat relatively healthy. Do what I'm, quote, unquote, supposed to do for my health. And it's, like, at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to change my body. It is going to be the way it is. But a lot of the time, like, one of the insecurities I've had in the past even now like with dating I sometimes have to work through is like worrying that if I'm trying to date certain type of people that they're going to look at me and be like oh she's too fat to date I don't care about anything she has to offer if she's too fat and I don't want to date someone who's fat if somebody has that perception how do you think it affects you and how does it make you feel I'm at the point in my life where I'm like if someone looks at me as like oh she's too fat to date that's very unfortunate for them I don't care I think it's really, really problematic and not okay to be judging someone based off their body, especially if you're looking at like a certain standard. Mm-hmm. It's more like, does this person care for themselves? Is this person healthy? Is this person happy? Because at the end of the day, the number on the scale doesn't mean shit. It's just your body in relation to gravity. That's a quote from a really good podcast I usually listen to where they were talking about that. You have a stretch marks or like extra, like a little bit of stomach fat or like a lot of stomach fat. It doesn't matter. It doesn't determine your value as an individual. Mm-hmm. It just is. You're allowed to exist looking a certain way, like especially with summer coming and having to get like the bikini body or the beach body, or you are so much more than how you look. Like you don't need to look a certain way and that's not the tax you pay to have fun in the summer. What kind of process do you think you had to go through in order to be able to be as confident as you are now? Or has it always been the case? No, it hasn't. You can see me in person. Absolute gorgeous. Oh my God, thank you. I have Leo a, vibes. Thank you. <laughs> I 
I have a genetic condition called Brooks-Speaker syndrome, which mm-hmm. presents in facial tumors. They started developing around puberty, which is the best time to have something like this develop. You're already sensitive. Your body is changing, and then you're going to get face tumors. Just peachy keen. 10 out of 10 recommend for everybody. And it got to a point with me where I was already bigger than all my friends because I went to like mostly white school filled with smaller bodied right. people. Right. Significantly taller than all my friends. Already not fitting in. I decided to do synchronized swimming for some reason. I don't really know. So I was having a time. My parents were really supportive and it got to a point where one day I was like, I have something that's like clearly one of the first things people see when they look at my face. Mm-hmm. And it gets to a point where you have to make a decision. You either build self-confidence real quick because you're going into middle school. You're going to grade seven, which middle school's the worst. You have to either like get that self-confidence real quick or you're going to have a bad time. Right. And it's one of those things where I'm speaking from my experience because it's not the same for everybody, but I bumped that Kanye West. Like as much as Kanye can be seen as problematic, Kanye West is what got me through and just like listening to his music and just like really embodying that confidence and just building it and working on it, listening to it on my way to school and developing that like I don't care what people say, I'm going to just do what I want. I already look different anyway, so might as well just own it. It's a lot of self-work, like I don't mm-hmm. know if you want to call it shadow work or how you want to define it, but just like really just saying, hey, like it's something very noticeable. People love to ask about it. I made a whole TikTok about it. So if you want to know, I guess it's a little deep now. Okay, so my Instagram is just at katiethequeen150. So if you want to see, it's pinned on my profile. If you want to see what it is we're talking about, take a creep. Just like having that, it helped me develop confidence faster than some of my peers. For me, obviously coming from Ivory Coast Mm -hmm. and being in a completely new space, I felt like I needed to fit in with my black friends when I lived in Toronto. Yeah. So... In the beginning, it was worrying at the time was a cool thing to do. Double XL pants, double XL shirts. <laughs> yeah. Just try to fit in. But my dad always told me, you don't need to do that. This is not how you should be dressing. Gangster culture and this, yeah. all these kind of things. See, he moved us to the suburbs. But once you're in the suburbs, you have a different issue that you need to tackle. How do I fit in with all these rich kids? What do I have to do? But thankfully for me, what I had was athletics, so basketball. So that was easy for me to make friends. But when you're in the town, you're walking around and people dropping the n-word at you for no yeah. reason just driving by and you just dropping it it's like why once you start feeling comfortable something like that happens then you have to question the whole yeah. process did i do something wrong right. so those things it makes it challenging to discover yourself but once you do discover yourself and you do find that confidence fucking world is just yeah. yours it's weird trying to conform to like what the expectation of a quote-unquote black person is kind of what you said you can relate to this this is one of my really cringy high school memories i remember a lot of the media that i was consuming regarding black people would be like the black sense black sense you know like people live in new york you or like the southern like vernacular and that dialect Mm. the speech patterns so it almost like you try to slip into that in high school to fit the expectation of what was expected of you and it's not authentic to me i don't speak like that i speak like how i speak talking about the way that you speak yeah. one of the most annoying things you can say to a black person oh you're so well spoken bruh <laughs> yeah what do you mean like, i speak properly yeah. i'm sorry is that not the case for every yeah. single person and so what if i have an accent yeah you're so well spoken what does that yeah. even mean what are you trying to get at i haven't had anyone say that to me ever yeah. No, people say that to me all the time. Oh my god. Especially right after the guess where I'm from, which is oftentimes they'll say, you're Jamaican. <laughs> no, I'm from West Africa, the Nigeria. Like fam, just let me say yeah. it so then you know. But this is a couple of things. Like, Don't try to guess where I'm from. Yeah. Ask me, hey, excuse me, sir, where are you from? What is your heritage? Then I'll tell you. So does that question not bother you when you're out and about or like some random... I work in a restaurant. Okay, yeah. This actually happened like maybe five days ago. Oh my goodness. I'm serving a party and one of the gentlemen sitting at the table, I come and he goes, are you Nigerian? And I'm like, no. He's like, oh, well, like my daughter is dating a Nigerian and I was going to tell you a couple things in Nigerian. Why would you assume that I'm Nigerian <laughs> yeah. to begin with? And the fact that your daughter is dating a Nigerian, it makes you assume that every black person is Nigerian now. Yeah. So I was like, no, like I'm not Nigerian, sir. Like I'm from Ivory Coast. So whatever you tell me, like I'm not going to be able to understand because mm-hmm. Africa does have more than just yeah. one country. Hello. And we all speak different languages, but... That was a weird oh interaction. Goodness. So at the restaurant, it happened all the time. People would just guess where I'm from. And I have to explain to them, like, please don't ask me that in that way. That is so interesting. I've had people ask me where I'm from. It's usually, like, it's always old white men that like to ask me where I'm from. Oh, white men are just so curious. They want to know. They just need to know. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. 
Do you have a grandson? I'll talk to your grandson. I don't want to talk to you. And usually I just look them in the face and say, like, oh, my dad's Icelandic. Or where's your mom from? I'm like, oh, my mom's English, Irish, Dutch. and was born in Ottawa. And they're like, what? And I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> have a good day. <laughs> I'm going to go. I, I, like, I don't like talking to people. I find it annoying <laughs> sometimes. No, that's not true. I'm actually very friendly. You don't constantly want to explain to other about yourself. It gets tiring after a while. It got really awkward too for a while because like now that I know my biological family so I've spoken to them about it but before when people would ask you like oh what your ethnicity are you it's like I don't know. Like, right. Most people can say like oh I'm like from this place or I'm from this place and it's like I didn't have that until mm. recently the past like seven years. How did you go about finding out? I just texted my sister and was like yo where's our family from and she's like oh we're Dominican and Haitian. I was like good talk thank you. <laughs> Like, that's literally how it went down. And then, obviously, like, finding out that information, it changed a lot of things for you, I would imagine. It does change a lot. Like, I think that you all of a sudden start not having a sense of identity because it's like, I've never been to those places. So I don't have that connection. But it's easier to say, like, oh, like, my roots are Afro-Latina and this is where right. genetically I come from. Right, and then, right. like, I don't know if it's confirmation bias. Look up on TikTok things about that culture and you'll be like, oh, like, kind of, like, have similar facial features. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, oh, like, I have a similar body style. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's confirmation bias or what it is, but you feel like almost more like, oh, I belong. I think it's important to know where you're from. I, I think it adds a lot of value to you as a person. Mm -hmm. And then also it adds a sense of confidence, yes. knowing exactly where your roots are from. Yes. If I didn't know where I was born and raised, I would be confused. Yes. Everyone confused, motherfucker. But once you know, once you have that information, like, okay, this is where I'm from, you can pinpoint it. 100% is sort of validation yeah. and confirmation. Mm -hmm. And into who you are as a person. Yeah. It's quite important. And obviously, a lot of people who don't know where they're from, not everybody, but I think there's an identity crisis that is happening yes. there. I have a question for you. Yes. So talking about how looks and appearance, did you find, like, as a black man, people like to fetishize you? Because if you date white women, like you said, do you find white women get, like, there's certain types of white women that get real weird about stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a funny story about that. Please share it. So I've been serving for the past four years, I would say, since I moved to Vancouver. And I was serving this table of women. Oh, no. Six women. It was all white women. And when women drink and when they're intoxicated, the level of courage that they get <laughs> is fucking insane. I am one of those women, but I keep it polite. This woman just proceeded to grope me <gasps> in the restaurant. Oh, my God. So obviously, like I was flirting a little bit. But obviously, I'm trying to get the tip. Yeah, you're trying to secure the bag. I'm trying to secure the bag. Oh, my God. But these women saw it definitely. So they were just making comments like, oh, I've never been with a black man before. Child. I heard about you guys. I heard about this and this. And I was like, obviously, I was laughing. I was at work. Not only was I uncomfortable, but because I was trying to secure the bag, I had to keep up with the job. I'm literally clutching my pearls for anyone who's listening right now. And then they're about to pay their bill. First of all, she thought that I overcharged her for drinks, which wasn't the case. I'm like, hey, listen here, Linda. You did have seven double. That is why you're feeling the way that you're feeling right now. Anyways, she gets up after paying her bill and just fully just goes for it. <gasps> and I'm standing there like, come on, baby. Not right here. Oh, my God. Let's wait till later. Leave your number. Let's leave it till later. And then she's like, okay, call me. And she's like, walks off. I'm so sorry that happened to you because I feel like we we have to take that seriously because that's not okay. Like you no, can't it's do not. That shit. But especially when you're in your workplace. Yeah. Not that you're forced to be there, but you're essentially forced to be there for right. a certain amount of time. Right. And you can't go anywhere. It's not like I'm like okay, like I'm out of here now. I just yeah. got abused. You can't fight an old white woman. No. What am I gonna do? I'm not gonna fight a woman. Yeah. I'm not gonna be like I'm not gonna tell her off. Yeah. She's hammered. She can't think yeah. rationally. So in that moment, this. Literally nothing that you can do. Right. You just there, kind of just have to like take it. Mm -hmm. So yes, I have been in a lot of situations where women do fetishize black men, and a lot of my friends in Vancouver are black, and will go out, and you just see women just like looking at us like up and down. Obviously, who doesn't like to be appreciated? Right. Right. It's nice, but some people just take it too far. Right. I'm a full person. I have a brain. I like to be spoken to in a very nice way. Right. And then most time that works better for you. If you come up and you have a full-on conversation, I'm a pretty outgoing person. I'm a pretty social mm -hmm. person. I think I'm easy to talk to. So if you want to do that, let's have a conversation. Right. So let's make let's keep it respectable. Imagine me being in a restaurant and groping a woman's vagina. That's what I'm getting. Like the cops gonna get. Called. I'm getting arrested. Like yeah. I'm getting charged with sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, if a woman does it, okay, like, I guess this is what's happening now. Yeah, like, roles reverse. Like, you are going to be in, like, 
you're going to be in physical danger from the police. Yeah. Because I'm sure they're not going to handle that one well. And it's, like, it's super fucked that, like, she thinks that's okay. And it's, like, if you have any other reaction to that situation besides just, like, laughing it off and trying to get her out the door, all of a sudden you're the villain. You're the bad guy. You're being aggressive. Yeah. We're going to need you to calm down, Jermaine. Yeah. But, yeah, that's my story about being fetishized. Jesus. I find, for me, it's mostly, like, it's either older men, like, looking, like, looking, looking. It doesn't happen very often because I don't, not generally, like, around older mm. men. So, they're not usually being, like, hella creepy. But it's a lot of, like, with the dating apps, again, like, I don't have Tinder anymore because I'm actually trying to, like, find a relationship and not mm. do hookups. Yeah. So, I found that, like, when I had Tinder, guys would be, like, really out of pocket about it. Or the worst is when you're trying to date a guy, you like him, he's playing his cards right, and all of a sudden you find out, oh, he says something wild shit about black women. Or my personal favorite is, like, oh, you're different than other black women, or they think that, like, black women are ghetto, or, or have, like, fake hair, or, like, look a certain way, and, like, not, like, she's not pretty when she takes her makeup off, and she looks so different when she takes her makeup off. You some people know this. Yeah. White women also wear extension. Right? They also wear extension. This fake hair bullshit is, like, no, people of other culture also do it. It's all about feeling confident within yourself and feeling confident as a person. It's never about you, the man. Like, no. Remove that thought from your mind immediately. It's not. It's never about you and it's never going to be about you. No, and it's like, listen, I don't think that, like, sometimes when these white men make, like to make comments about women's hair, like black women's hair, do you know what a protective style is, Bradley? <laughs> do you know what it is? <laughs> Google is free. Um, let's let's do a quiz. There'll be a quiz at the end. You should probably learn about it because when I have my natural hair out, like I have quite long natural hair, maintaining it takes forever. Mm -hmm. I usually have it out for like a few days. But my braider told me I have to, so I listen to her because she knows everything. But it can be quite inconvenient sometimes. And then you have to also deal with your coworkers. Not to drag some of my coworkers, but before I had these braids in, I had my natural hair and I'd go into work. And I had one of the security officers there comment on how wild my hair looked and how like basically saying it was unkempt and untamed. And I was Bruh. like, not like I just spent 45 fucking minutes doing my hair. Bruh. It was giving Donna Summers. It was really cute. And then I had another co co be like, oh, what the? And like, and almost like in a negative way, like my hair looked bad. And I was like, Honey, I look better than you ever will. What the hell are we doing right now? <laughs> People like like to say, like, if you have your afro out, it's considered untamed or unkempt mm. without realizing how much work goes into our hair. And like, the fact that we take a lot of pride in it is really You know how long? First of all, you have to grow your hair super long to be able to have an afro. Like, it's, it yeah. takes time. And it takes months and months. And then also, even if you have, like, different hairstyles. Like, example, like, I had dreads. And one of the biggest battles that I had before I got dreads was, I'm studying politics. At the time, I was thinking about going into politics. And I had to ask myself the question, if I do end up in politics, is my hair going to stop me from getting jobs? Right. At the time, as a thought entered my mind, I had to remind myself, why are you even considering that? If this is something that you like, it's going to make you feel comfortable, then just do it. Mm -hmm. So I did it. I had it. And to maintain dress, found it's a lot of work. White people seem to not want to realize that sometimes. It's a lot of work, bro. <laughs> it's a lot of work and a lot of money, y'all. But... I have a question for you now. Yes. I think this is the most important question of all the questions. Okay, I'm ready. At this stage of your life, are you happy? I'm very happy. That sounds so fake. Okay, so let's break it down. So, I went through some shit the past. I got out of it probably January of this mm -hmm. year. So, I went through a really bad time. A lot of therapy. I cried a lot. Had a crush on some questionable people. Was just having a rough old time. And honestly, I had a bad time for about a year. I want right. to say three, the full three years. But honestly, like a really, really, really bad time that was not in line with who I am very toxic relationship a lot of stress going through school finishing school and then trying to get into a career group which was very character building to put it very very lightly and then I finally got a job with the federal government which I'm not at right now there's a whole laundry list of reasons I'm not cut out to be a passport officer that's just the TLDR of it mm -hmm. so I'm like looking for another job but in that time I've been able to move into my own apartment I got my cat back which was big thing for me and I found that I've been able to like live my life in a more authentic way for me so either it's having that brand ambassadorship which I care a whole heck of a lot about mm -hmm. I got sent a PR box from a really great company it's called do of the gods and they're Canadian and they're really really fantastic and then just doing some content creation for a local restaurant very part-time like I go in once a week film content for them and just being more creative and I'm currently waiting to hear if I got a job in a creative field or it's more like advertising but it also has like the ability to become more creative right. so I'm finding that I'm able to move more into alignment with where I want to be. So 
I am very happy right now. I think I've worked really freaking hard to get where I am right now. And it's, this journey is not over. Like I'm going to still have to grind really, really hard. But compared to how I was feeling last year when I was at my heaviest weight, I wasn't feeling good. My body was hurting. I wasn't doing well emotionally, mentally. Mm-hmm. I was just really, really going through it last year. Like I'm probably the happiest I've been for a very long time. I love that. And I think the most important word that you said amongst all the other things that you've said is being authentic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's the most important thing for any person. That little voice inside of you will always tell you when you're not being authentic. Yes. Not being your authentic self. And or when you're in a situation where you know that you shouldn't be in. Obviously, things take time. And we all have to go through those different battles to be able to live an authentic life. And whatever way you go about it, whatever path you take to get there, as long as you get there, that's the most important thing. So to answer the question as well, I'm going to answer it. I am at my happiest that I've ever been. Good. I was going to ask you. You yeah. Me, I need to know. I'm at my happiest that I've ever been. I'm surrounded by fantastic friends. Obviously, during the pandemic, I was living alone in an apartment and in Abbotsford. And I went through some things while I was living there. So I was going through like a really tough time. But thankfully, I had friends who were absolute gems in my life that were there for me day in and day out to help me through that whole process and just be there for me. Like, literally just call me on the phone and say... Jermaine, did you go for a walk today? Did you get outside today? You need to get outside. If you don't, I'm going to come over to the house and we're going to go out for a walk. And those small things make a massive difference. Right. So I'm happy for that. I'm happy for the way that my friends communicate with me and the way that I communicate with them. And I'm also happy that I was able to move to Vancouver and then finally start this project that I've been so passionate about. Finally starting it and meeting lovely people like yourself. We've Thank been having you. a fantastic conversation. Yes. These kind of things are what make me happy. And creating new connections with people, learning new things from people, educating myself through other people's experiences. All those things make me very, very happy. So I would say, yeah, I'm very happy. I'm at a job that I enjoy. I know it's not going to be the end. Like you said earlier, the the journey is long. And I remember I saw this quote or this video. The guy said, the top of one mountain is the beginning of another mountain. Yes. So we're at uh, the top of a mountain right now, but we're still trying to climb higher. So this, exactly. the journey is long. There's a lot of things that we need to do to achieve that ultimate bliss. But right now I'm in it and I'm loving it. Exactly. And on our journeys, we're allowed to have water breaks. You don't have to just charge up that yeah. mountain. I'm not going to make a Stranger Things reference. So people who watch Stranger Things, running up that hill, you know what I'm talking about. Just like play it at the end of this episode. That being said, the question for today is... Simply to whoever is listening, are you happy? And if you are, what are those things that make you happy? And also, if you're not in a space where you're happy, believe me, you can get there. And there's a space for everybody to be happy and live the authentic life. And whatever it is that you need to do to achieve that, take your time. Mm-hmm. I second that. Take your time. Take your time. Go through the emotions. Go through everything that you need to go through because at the end of the other side, you'll be a better person for it. So yeah, as always, if you're looking to communicate with me, on Instagram, I'm always there for conversations. At the Whatnot Pod. Thank you so much for listening in. Have a good day, a good evening. Ciao. Bye.